We're back with another episode of Midnight on Earth. I'm your host, Jake Weaver, and we're here to bring you more knowledge, more light, more love. We have an amazing guest today. Her name is Harmony Fronterhaus, and she's the author of the book, Birthing a New Paradigm, A Journey of Ascension. She's going to talk to us about birthing a new paradigm. We're going to talk about some really awesome stuff. But first, you know the drill. If you've done this already, I appreciate it. But follow me on Instagram at midnight underscore on underscore earth. That's the address. Follow me there. Spotify. There's a follow button. Apple Podcasts. Google Podcasts. Wherever you go to get your podcast, click the button that connects us. So you know what's going on. Get the notifications, and then you can tap into number three, which is tell a friend. You get the notifications, then you can tell your friends about it. Word of mouth is so huge. You know people that like these type of podcasts. Do me a favor. Tell them. Midnightonearth.com. All right. So Harmony Fronterhouse is here. I'm just going to read her bio, and then we're going to talk to her. Here we go. Harmony Fronterhouse is a visionary and wisdom keeper of the new age. Merging ancient knowledge with current downloads, she is a bridge builder who embraces both science and spirits. The creator of Wildcraft Wellness, Harmony believes that we are the ones we've been waiting for, and the time is now. A mother of three and teacher in her community, Harmony is also a writer, visionary artist, and musician. She's a certified caregiver for over 15 years, a youth and adult educator as well, a passionate gardener, herbalist of the wise woman's traditions, and permaculture, urban farmer, sharing her knowledge of plants and nutrition and the connection to balanced health in the garden classroom environment. She's got so much going on. Focused on creating wellness and sustainability, her passion for nature and empowering children have merged while building community and individual connection through gardening and food. Connecting to soil means connecting to each other. In turn, we are able to interact with our world on an open, authentic level, creating a new paradigm. We're going to talk about all this stuff. We do not only inherit the earth from our ancestors, we are borrowing it from our children. Wow, what a great way to end that bio. Harmony, how are you doing today? 
Oh, doing awesome. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me on your show. Thank you, Harvey. You know, I'm going to come on your show. We're going to do a crossover. So we want all the mm-hmm. Midnight on Earth listeners to check her out. It's going to be an incredible swap of minds. But you're here now on Midnight on Earth. I super appreciate it. Yeah, I'm stoked. So we're going to talk about paradigms. We're going to talk about birthing a new paradigm. We're going to talk about why we need to birth a new paradigm. But first, let's talk about how we create our own reality. In your mind, tell me. Tell me how people create their own reality, and we'll talk about that. Absolutely. So it boils down to frequency and thought. And everything that we think about, everything that we start to plant those seeds are all going to manifest in some way or another into our reality. Everything that we are associating with an experience is based on the perception that we hold in the moment of those experiences. And perception is is really the key that unlocks the greatest quest in our life. It is that lens that we view the world around us. And it opens the door to truly understanding one another, truly understanding ourselves, understanding true happiness, understanding gratitude, and creating the life that we want to experience and, you know, really stepping into our true potential and living that and not not just, you know, thinking about it, but really starting to embody all of those, you know, visions that we've had for so many years that, this, you know, now is the time. And we are the ones, you know, like, right, like, you like were the saying. ancestors have said, you know, it is so powerful right now. So, you know, our mindfulness and our gratitude is the key. Yes, definitely. But as humans, Harmony, we do manifest reality just by our basic thinking, even if we're not even aware of it, like on a subconscious Absolutely. level. Do, do you want to talk about that a little bit? Like how do people do it on a very general sense in a most basic sense? Yeah, I mean, just just by stepping, I mean, just by looking at each individual's daily routine, you are creating the world around you. This world that, you know, you have created around you, the world that each individual has created around them is absolutely different. Although we may see some similarities, we are literally creating a absolutely different paradigm than someone else on the other side of the world who lives, you know, maybe in winter when we're in summer or when we are, you know, in a state of abundance and somebody else may be in a state of lack of, you know, scarcity and, you know, moving into a transitional phase at any point. But we can all start to understand that our thoughts and, you know, how we start to how we look at the world is basically creating our default mode. And many of us have, you know, our default mode that that creates our reality and we can start to be mindful about those certain defaults and create new defaults. It's like um, I, I use the analogy about a computer program and computer system a lot because essentially we are a lot like that in our the way that we think and the way that our subconscious is programmed. And so we can actually go in and reprogram our sub, subconscious thoughts. And so it boils down to that subconscious level 
where we're all, um, you know, we have ancestral patterns. We all have our DNA. We have our, the way we were raised. We have our own intrinsic guidance system that we were born with that our soul carries on and we can, you know, integrate all that together and start to really observe life in a different way and therefore start to manifest into our life uh, what we have been visioning. Right. So when people are young, they get their paradigms, their understanding from their parents and those, their guardians or whoever's around them, their environment. And that fuses really with what you were just saying about that ancestral path, the soul's path. But then the programming comes in early on from the environment, which then creates the reality for that person at first but as other influences, other information trickles in, that changes the programming and therefore changes the reality that they're creating. Yeah, absolutely. That's what it, that's what it was for me. And I know there's a consensus across the board with many people who have experienced this uh, journey of, you know, mindfulness and gratitude and enlightenment through the many different layers that we are moving through at this time. Right. So individually, you know, we get these paradigms, these kind of paradigms, like an algorithm. It's just like a mode of function. It's like how we choose to react to a situation, what we think about a situation based on a certain mode of thinking. We can change all that. We can rewrite that. Like you said, you know, we can analyze those paradigms and figure out which ones are benefiting us and which ones are hurting us and then either remove, replace those or change those in some way. But individually we have issues with paradigms, but when you're talking about birthing a new paradigm, it's, it's kind of beyond the individual, right? This is like something far bigger. Absolutely. It, it, I mean, it starts with the individual and we're all interconnected. So it is like an individual holographic level, but the collective paradigm has, you know, been in a certain state of consciousness for an age. And the ages, if we break it down to like, you know, the different ages in time that you go to the procession of the equinox and you study that, and then you start to realize that when the alignments of where we are pointing to the different zodiac, zodiacal signs, then um, that dictates the energies that are coming down to the earth, the photons in which are um, shifting our present reality because photons carry information. So when you realize that, then you realize that there is a major shift of consciousness because I think it was like in the 60s where the actual like turning of the hand of the great clock per se happened. And so we are really literally under the sign of Aquarius or the, um, the North Pole, I should say, is pointing to the sign of Aquarius at this time. And so we are literally in that. And in that, like the, the mentality is literally shifting of humanity. And we are here to usher that in. So you're talking about the age of Aquarius coming out of the age of Pisces, the procession of the equinoxes. Yep. What you're saying is... The photons, the energy that's coming from where, from from where where our position is in the universe as we move through these uh, constellations. 
Absolutely. So when you're looking at the microcosm of this and you look at um, astrological signs and the zodiac and how people, how you notice there's like certain patterns in certain signs. Of course, there's not a universal, the, you know, uh, Pisces is this way and uh, cancer is that way. But there, you know, over, you know, generations and centuries, this information has been logged that there are certain traits and certain patterns that we notice within certain signs. And science is bringing this and merging it together and showing that photons actually carry energy. So when you are born, there are certain stars in the sky and the ones that are highest overhead, the, the zodiac, the uh, astrological sign that is highest over the head when you are born in the place that you're born has a great effect on the individual's personality traits and, you know, energetic signature template on this earth. And so in that case, the, the look, um, the photons are literally carrying the information from that uh, astrological sign, from that constellation in the sky to the individual's DNA when they are being born into this earth. And that is how the explanation of the um, zodiac and the astrological signs is really being proven through science. And I really, when I heard this explanation, it just all made so much sense to me. And so through that, it is also applicable to the procession of the equinox and how it's all integrated. Yeah. And that happens every 26,000 years. We go into a new sector, you could say, of the universe, how we interrelate with the universe. We're moving into a different bandwidth, I guess you could say. And, uh, you know, that has been noticed by humans over time, humans, generations, generations, they've cataloged this information and they've noticed this over hundreds of thousands of years. Yes. Yeah. It's like the, the explanation of Leo or the, uh, thinks and why it was originally like a lion's body. And it was like built in the age of Leo. So, you know, uh, there's, there's so many explanations of, this time and how it's been documented over the years and how the energies have affected humans and their uh, interaction with each other and with this earth. And it's really cool because that age of Aquarius is that moving into a higher state of consciousness, awareness, the water bearer. So that is is the age of Aquarius. Right. Yes. So it's that, that, like that song that was, you know, (laughs) back in the seventies, you know, exactly. Yeah. I I have read a lot about this, but tell me what you think is going to happen as we move into the age of Aquarius. Like, what does that mean? So to me, um, it's a shifting from, um, a more, a, a denser reality, um, where there was more competition and, you have the Pisces is like two fish swimming in two different in two different directions. And so that is kind of like that warring state, the uh, antagonistic state duality, a sense of, um, you know, really being divided and, you know, the notion, all those notions that come with the reality of, of dualism just kind of like a lower frame of thinking like lower vibrational that's the age of pisces 
And moving from that state into the age of Aquarius, you have the water bearer, who is a, a kind of a humanoid being that is delivering a life-giving substance. Uh, the water is often a symbol of uh, rebirth, of birth in itself, of uh, nurturing, of um, uh, the interdependent or like the uh, cleansing and the clarity. And um, it's a it's a symbol of information as well. And so I believe that, you know, going along with all those different symbologies, it would be a time of, you know, bringing in higher mindfulness, of cleansing out the old patterns, clearing out, carrying that water and bringing in the new information, bringing in the new patterns that need to, to um, assimilate into the, the higher frequencies that the earth is, is bringing us into. We're moving into a different part of the photon belt. There's all sorts of factors here that, I mean, we're in, as they said, unprecedented times. <laughs> this is something we have never seen before. And, you know, this is, this is the real uh, shift that we're talking about. You know, this is a, a grand uh, shift of like the, you know, the calendar, the clock. It's, it's, it's a, very a palpable. Wheel. You can feel yeah. it. It's, it's very you viscous. Really can. And, uh, you really can. And the more energy sensitive you are, the more you really try to tune in and dial in and just get on that frequency, the more potent you realize it is because it is coming so powerfully. It is a shift. And I think that collectively we feel it. We feel it internally. We feel it intuitively. But so many of us, and I mean, when I'm talking about the entire human population, all 10 billion of us, many of us are trying to stuff down those feelings with alcohol, with television, with narcotics, pharmaceutical grade mm -hmm. narcotics, you know, opiates, and they're doing everything yep. they can to get away from those frequencies because there's some kind of underlying fear of change. Why do you think that is, Harmony? Well, I actually have experienced that myself, and I speak about that in my book, too. Um, I kind of go through a lot of, you know, my growing process as a youth, and I had a lot of uh, experiences, interdimensional experiences and higher spiritual experiences as a youth, and it was really? very shunned in our paradigm. Tell me and, about that. You know, what, it was, what happened it was with not, that? Well, you know, I would be able, I could read people's thoughts and have, you know, high experiences of telepathy and, you know, just uh, a very connected uh, to my highest self and was, you know, able to, you know, I, I, I called people out when they weren't being in their highest form. And, you know, I would speak about different um, downloads or whatever you want to call them, different uh, visions that I would have. And people would, you know, often say, you know, that's not really something you want to speak about. You know, often people don't really like that. Or I would literally, that would be like the lower spectrum and the higher spectrum of, of the reactions was, you know, like, uh, you're a witch, you're evil, <laughs> uh, you know, like literally like, because I could read their mind and they did not like that. Oh. And so uh, I learned to shut those gifts off. And I believe that a lot of people come in with a lot of gifts and they realize like the potential, but there's a lot of uh, programs designed to keep us 
in a lower consciousness. And so um, through that, not realizing what was going on, being very confused in my youth and seeing a lot of hypocrisy around me and a lot of like, oh, don't touch the cookie. The cookie's right there. Don't touch it. You know, that analogy, like kids, you don't point the cookie out and then tell them not to eat it and then set it on the counter and walk out of the room. A little young child, I mean, there's videos all across the internet of that exact scenario and the kids, I mean, it's like 90% of the time the kid's going to take the cookie. (laughs) So um, it was kind of like that with me as well. There was that, you know, there was a lot of pressure around me. There was a lot of, you know, well, not even pressure, just a lot of the examples in, uh, in society were, you know, glorifying a lot of that kind of behavior. And so, you know, through exploring and, and also, you know, like, being um there there are other examples in my life where you know there was a lot of older people in my life that I looked up to that were uh, doing certain things so I thought maybe that that would make me more like them right so there were so many different factors to that onion so many different layers right and so I was able to Uh, lose myself a little bit in all that. And so I started to explore substances, started to uh, gain addictions, and realized that I had lost myself. And, you know, realized that I wanted to reconnect with a lot of those things. And it didn't matter what other people said anymore. And I just didn't, you know, like, why, why should I why should I jump on this bandwagon and get, you know, lost? And, you know, I started to, that light inside of me kept flickering, you know, and, and started to burn brighter as I matured. And it was like a, a period of, you know, an ebb and flow of, a, you know, back and forth and moving through consciousness. I, you know, had a, a very, very strong addiction to cigarettes and, and uh, didn't realize at the time my connection with tobacco and being a pipe carrier and how um, it, tobacco is a sacred substance. And, you know, I had no idea of any of that at the time when I was younger and really falling into that addiction. I quit then I started again. And then when I had my first daughter, that was a catalyst to help me just, you know, release a lot of those addictions that I had and shift into a more mindful state of being. So I think that, you know, it really boils down to that um, kind of feeling lost, like losing yourself and and not really having those guideposts in your life to, in those examples to um, really show us the way. I think that that's definitely by design. You know, you have, Right. People do kind of get pushed to the side or considered uh, strange or even new age or whatever labels are placed on them by mainstream society. Anybody that's trying to uplift people's consciousness usually gets categorized as abnormal in some way. Right. So people in general, you know, they're feeling these things like we were talking about this new age coming, this new information coming from these new photons. Just everything's just new. And they're doing everything in their power to suppress that. 
where does that mm-hmm. fear come from? Like, obviously it's coming from outside. There's programming coming in. Let's talk about the programming and why they're so afraid. Like what, why would people be afraid of growth? Well, control, I think it boils down to, um, I mean, there's so many levels of that as well. Like the, the people, like the individuals that are here to grow, I think that sometimes like it can be uncomfortable to have change and like, you know, being in a comfortable place, being, you know, who you are and finding your identity and then realizing that none of that is really what it was and, and that you're a new person or that, you know, like there's a new reality. It can be very uncomfortable and it's kind of like a seed in the soil, you know, it's dark, it's wet, it's, you know, you got cold frozen winter that is activating you or a fire that's activating you or whatever that's causing that germination is often very, very uncomfortable. And then comes the pressure. You know, you have that really immense pressure of that. I'm sure that happens within a seed, right? If you just try to put yourself in what happens in, in a seed uh, reality, like you have that immense pressure, but then once that is moved, once you move through that, you have a rebirth, right? And that's the same thing that happens in like giving birth is, you know, it's very uncomfortable and you, it's like some of the worst pain that I have ever experienced. However, you know, once you move through it and um, understand it's there for a reason, then it can be a catalyst for rebirth and, and for growth and change and shifting. So a lot of people don't realize that at first and they just the seed consciousness and they're like, gosh, this is uncomfortable. <laughs> and they have no idea what they're going to become. Right. So um, I think that's one reason. And then, you know, there's many reasons between that and the next thing that I'm going to speak of, which is the control factions, you know, on the other spectrum where you have people with very, very um, high allotments of control they like that control. They like that power. Power is, um, you know, it's addicting. So are you talking about, uh, the great they, because we had a guest, his name was Soren Dreyer. You know, he traveled the world, uh, doing readings. He's been on television, incredible career, Soren Dreyer. And he talked about these forces that are at play that are keeping humanity down. He said that he wasn't sure that they were in place before, but now at this stage of his life, he lives in Spain. They've been locked down pretty much the whole time. He really feels like there's these forces at play that are keeping humanity down. What are those forces? What, what is that control? Who, who yeah. wants the control? So I think, you know, there's um, a different uh, a spectrum, a spectrum of those people. You have the conscious ones and the unconscious ones and the uh, physical people and the energetic uh, force, right? So you have um, those folks that have retained power through bloodlines or through um, uh, just uh, malintention through certain uh, sacrifices of their own uh, honor or integrity or literal sacrifices that they may have done. Um, literally like, you know, selling their soul to the devil. That's oh literally, gosh. you know, it's like, that's a, a, an analogy, a cliche for a reason. I mean, you know, like, so it, some people make is. those choices to just do some something people so have evil. Made those choices and, and, and they, sometimes they don't even think it's evil either. They just, they, they're like literally con- convinced themselves 
that they're doing it for the best of humanity. You know, like Hitler, he didn't think he was evil. He was just out there thinking that he was, you know, uh, some gross, disgusting project we all understand was, you know, created by a lot of evil. He didn't probably think that. Or, you know, people that are out there doing other things, you know, they're, they're not necessarily believing that they are evil. They, they think they are doing it for good. The greater good. Yeah. Hitler may have thought yeah. he was saving the world from what he perceived as the great evils. And then everybody was like, yo dude, you're, you're like batshit crazy. You're insane. And you're murdering right? millions of people. But he's like, what do you mean? I'm, I'm helping everyone. It's all about perspective. It's really interesting how that works. Like, yeah, you know, and, but you know, you have these nefarious forces at play. Well, clearly there's something coming from outside. Uh, Soren Dreyer was calling them the dark side ghouls. When you take it up all the way to the top, these interdimensional dark beings that are kind of feeding on this energy. But, but like, why, why do they think that's even possible to subjugate humanity in that way? Because if humanity is divine and if everything's divine, how is it even possible? That is a really good question. You know, you have the um, in duality, you have the interplay of dark and light, of good and evil. And if they can harness the great day, <laughs> if <laughs> duality can be harnessed, then and and humanity are locked into duality, then that is how we view it, and therefore you know, we are needing to experience certain aspects of duality for life lessons. And in that, there's that certain experience that everybody needs to have of duality. And through transcending the dualistic experience, that's when the, you know, divine miracles start happening or, you know, the, the star-seated Individuals have come here to shift things and change things, and it becomes, um, you know, kind of like the play out of the behind the scenes. Like sometimes things look much different than what is actually going on, right? Right. But yeah, it's really interesting that, uh, you know, they're doing these actions. You can see it in media, you can see it coming really from all sides. Everything is happening to keep humanity from experiencing this transformational experience that's coming. But it's of course, mm -hmm. like we said, it's a futile effort because everything's made out of the divine. So how can you do something better than the divine? How can you trump the divine? You can't, it's impossible. Nope. So it's just like this <laughs> really strange action, but it's people thinking that they have this power or beings or whatever, but the whole experience for them is temporary, right? Like at yep. some point, either what earth explodes or some, there's going to be some end to their power, right? If they feel like they have this power, whatever, wherever that power lies at some day, at some time, that's going to come to an end. And then their the whole purpose is over. It just doesn't yes. make sense. That's I guess, what they're afraid of. Right. That's what they're afraid of. And that's why there's the dumbing down. Right. So they, they know it's fleeting. They know that humanity is on this precipice of shifting. That 100th monkey is like about to be activated, right? Yes. And so they know that if they just dumb us down, try to keep us in duality, keep us in division, keep us, you know, 
worried about what political side we're on, worried about what religion we are, worried about what gender we are, worried about what, you know, job we are, what, you know, separating our ego into all these factions, it separates us from other people and therefore it divides us. And, you know, that old saying, divide and conquer, you know, when uh, what a divided house will fall, you know, unite. And that's true power. And as you know, we realize that and we are collectively and they know it and it, it, you know, it scares the crap out of people that really want to retain the density and the power that, you know, one day that's going to dissolve for them and they'll just be seen (laughs) as an equal, you know, and, you know, I can see that on so many levels because, you know, subconsciously, you know, a lot of people, see being an equal as being less than what they are already are because there are people that are seen in um, a light that, you know, they view as less than. And so as we shift our perspective and we start to realize that, you know, even though there are people going through much different triumphs and struggles and hard, you know, trials and tribulations, that like we are going through different ones on our levels and you know it's all about um different people's karma paths and and we can start to all live into abundance and equal can mean we're all abundant exactly and not not all in poverty or scarcity like a lot of um countries that have adapted certain mentalities where, you know, they, they're tricked and they say, this is all, we're all going to be equal, but then it's like, oh, we're all equally poor. And so there's that subconscious. And it's all based on exploitation. There's usually somebody at the top that's exploiting these countries and they're convincing these people that, oh, this little bit, there's barely anything, this $1 a month or whatever, like this. Yeah. You get to all share that equal. (laughs) And no, it's like when we are in America and you see dumpsters and dumpsters all across the state, all across the whole world, I mean, all across the country and and across the world, you start to realize the amount of food and abundance and uh, just resources that there are on this it's, world. It's pretty there infinite. Is so much. And it's being thrown away on a daily basis. They are locking up dumpsters so people can't go and take the food because of liability. And, you know, it's, it's really it interesting. It becomes really quite... Um, a burden upon the back of humanity where we do get locked into that feeling of scarcity and we can start to like look at all those um, realities and start to go wait that actually proves that there's abundance you know it proves that there's so much that people are just throwing away and you know becoming a wild crafter you know you spoke about that in the beginning I have learned that money does grow on trees. You know, it literally, it does. <laughs> well, it's, and it's definitely on so a many commodity. Levels. Like it's a tradable resource. It's something that you can make into something. Yeah. You take essentially yep. nothing, something that's growing in the earth and use that in a way that you can make that something to trade resources for. I mean, we talk about how yes. everything's made out of the divine. Everything's made out of God. Therefore, everything is infinite. But just to touch on what you were saying earlier, because I don't want to get away from this it seems like there's a really big push to focus people 
on body consciousness. Get people to focus on their body, body consciousness. Right. Forget about your spirit. Forget about personal development. Right. We're going to put you in category A, B, C, D. We're going to create a bunch of new categories so you can continuously filter your ego, like you said, filter your ego into these categories. And every one of those categories is a step away from your spirit. Right. And if people would just shift their way from their body consciousness and shift their consciousness where they draw their center from, from truly their, their soul, their spirit, we'd be in a way different place. That's the equality to me. That's the true equality where we're all equals. We all are derived from that, that soul source, that God spark. But yet yeah, you know, and right now there's a push away from that. There really is. And that's one thing I was remarking. I had a conversation with some uh, beautiful people uh, a few weeks ago about this. And, you know, like I remember when it was a good thing to not see people's color and colorblind, like was a good thing. And that was woke. And, you know, like now there's seems to be some kind of reversal, um, some kind of shift where, they're trying like there's an aim for that to be uh, derogatory or uh, racist or uh, mean or um, y- you know dismissive or um, uh, just not mindful or acknowledging you know the try the tribulations that somebody does have for their the way that they look and um, it's like on many levels I get that but on on other levels, I'm confused because I remember a time and I still feel this way where I look at people and I don't see their skin color straight away. I don't see their gender straight away. Like I see their spirit and I see like if they're a good person or not. Right. And that's what it really matters to me. Like I don't, you know, and, and so it seems like that concept has been hijacked and, um, kind of like, it's like Alice in Wonderland. It got flipped upside down and it now is, um, uh, defined well, yeah. in the wrong intention. Well, yeah, it's definitely set up to keep people in a, aggressive stances, to keep people fighting, right. keep people saying, I'm over in this camp. You're over in this camp. You can't be in my camp. I'm, right. you, I can't be in your camp. And all the while it's, it's tearing apart our humanity, which is our true united force is that, that, like I said, the soul, but also just the fact that we're human, we're just in human bodies. We're light beings in human bodies. That's really where it ends. I mean, I, yeah. I for me, it doesn't seem like, of course you, we all respect cultures, all the various cultures all across the world. They're all interesting and they all have incredible, unique perspectives and contributions to the greater whole. But the truth of the matter is it doesn't seem like the divine looks past the light. Like there's like the light, it looks over, it's like, okay, here's a bunch of light beings, here's some humans, and that's it. All the other labels that we've created are created by humans, the black, the white, the rich, the poor, all these names, these words, they're not yeah. chiseled into stone. They're not coming down with Moses. Like I talk about it's a joke a lot. You know, they're not coming down with Moses with the Ten Commandments. He didn't say, oh, yeah, also don't forget to categorize everyone by skin color and and 
ethnicity and socioeconomic class, that didn't happen. Like that's not the shamanic perspective. That's yeah. human created. And ultimately it's keeping us from evolving to the true united earth that we're headed towards. Yeah. Yeah. And the more you realize, you know, that like none of us is truly what we look like, <laughs> then um, you can start to like see beyond all that stuff because, you know, like I may have light skin in the winter and, you know, fair hair and, um, but in the very end of the summer, my skin is much darker because I do have, you know, not only the European descent, but I have Native American descent. I have African descent. I have all across the board, different cultures, different, um, you know, skin colors and tones in my family. Yeah. All different people around the world. You're just, you know, DNA just reflects differently. And we also are like born into these bodies to experience certain things we haven't in other past lives. And that goes into a whole nother conversation about past lives. And if you study Dolores Cannon and anything that she spoke about or other wisdom keepers as well, um, you know, in the modern times or ancient indigenous um, wisdom keepers, they speak about how we need to experience all different realities to make our soul complete and to learn certain lessons. And so if we choose to be, you know, a man in five lifetimes and we need to be a woman, woman as well, like then sometimes that's why we come into a woman's body feeling much more masculine than other people do or you know if there's a um, experience where you were maybe an emasculating uh, derogatory asshole then maybe that's what you need to come in as a you know woman that is abused so that you can see how that was and that's you know not a a um excuse for abuse and I don't know no, of course not that, but you know there's but all, that is we but that's know. how I dealt with some of my abuse right so I'm like wow maybe that is an interesting analogy that you know it was a lesson and there are certain things that I needed to uh you know learn from these things maybe I was that way in certain way in certain parts of my life this time or in in other lifetimes and so when we can glean that it shifts us we talk about with other guests about how for better, for worse, we choose our own realities coming into this world, our successes, mm-hmm. our failures, the, the things that are negative and torturous or, you know, uplifting and, you know, who knows how it all really works out, but just touching right. on what you were saying before, it's like, I listened to a speaker once who pointed out that the original humans, they say in science, you know, you talk about, uh, I think it's the Lucy skeleton in Africa. Mm, yeah. The most ancient skeleton is African, which means all of humanity can be mm-hmm. traced back to being African, meaning we're all black. You could say mm-hmm. if you're going to categorize someone with that label. Now, culturally, yeah. cultures have evolved over thousands of years all over the world in different ways. But if you trace it all the way back, it just goes back to one people. But somehow through just. Mm-hmm. You know, hundreds of thousands of years of genetic development and regional environmental influence, people changed. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, yeah. we are it's just like animals have, right? You know? <laughs> yeah. And ultimately, we're just one, though. We're just Adaption. this one uh, race. We're just this one family. Exactly. Exactly. 
And, you know, that's when we collectively reach that consensus, that's when the magic happens, you know? So that's part of that intention for, you know, keeping us into that lockdown, you know? So if we, uh, if we stay locked in our mind, locked in our heart, locked from each other, locked away, um, building fences and, you know, worrying about uh, how somebody else is going to hurt us, it's going to keep us locked in fear. And, you know, when you have the spectrum of what fear does, it keeps us in duality. And as we move through fear, fear is good because it helps us to experience certain things that we can move through it and, you know, embrace it for what it was, not just like shun it and be like fear is evil, but move through it and then let that be the catalyst for the alchemy, you know, like in like creating essential oils, when you have a crude organic matter, the, it's the fire, it's that heat. It's, you know, like that, that creates and transforms it into a new substance, into a more refined matter. And it's like, you know, the, that pressure and the, the moisture and the darkness of the, the soil on the seed, it's the same kind of analogy to where it creates a um, new way of being, a new way of perceiving. And, you know, as we start to realize that perspective is the key you know, to how we interact with the world around us. Yeah, that what, is, what do you, you mean know, by that? Like, how is perspective the key? Tell me about that. So as we start to view our life through gratitude and love instead of fear, then you start to see a whole different world around you. And I used to be locked in fear of, of so many different things. And one of them was, you know, monetary um, scarcity. And I was very, very locked in a world of, you know, I didn't deserve it. I didn't, um, my family was poor, so I couldn't do this. You know, there would be an event that would come up that cost money and I would not even tell my parents because I didn't want to bother them with that burden of saying no. Or like, it would be like time we had to pick a musical instrument. So I would pick the very lowest price one just to make sure that like my family wasn't a burden on them. Right. And so there was all these things because I was told when I was young that there were limitations and that we didn't have enough and that there wasn't enough and you know, that we were poor and this and that I believed it. And I didn't see all of the other options to make things happen. And when I started to trust and realize and have gratitude for the things around me as um, a growing, maturing being, I started to see life differently. And I started to see that, you know, like it doesn't have to be money related. Money is a middleman. And when you start to, you, you regain the relationship that money's a middleman and it's all about energy exchange you no longer live in poverty. You no longer live in scarcity because the world is abundant and you can make things happen. You can trade. And like when you see that, that um, 
paperclip. Have you ever seen the paperclip game that that guy did on Craigslist? Oh yeah, I traded a paperclip for, eventually yep. traded up for a house. Yeah, and a yacht, and yeah, it was amazing. It was a giant paperclip. All clip. it takes is energy, is energy exchange. <laughs> a giant paperclip. <laughs> um, all it takes is energy exchange, right? So he traded the paperclip up for a pencil, and the pencil up for a binder, and the binder up for a backpack, the backpack for a bike, and you know, so on. And when I, you know, you, you start to hear these stories and you start to realize that there's so many other options in life. And that's, this is like one of the greatest examples that I went through is I realized that I didn't, I no longer was poor. I actually am very rich because poor has nothing to do with money. Poor has to do with your mentality. It has to do with the abundance that you're able to see in the world and the perspective that you have on yourself. If you believe that everyone's worth it, so you're worth it, then you're worth it. You believe it. And therefore you magnetize it. You know, it's terrible because like, uh, it stifles your manifestation uh, ability when you say poor, but you're saying, you know, you step it up and you become more magnetized. You're attracting that more into your life. Yeah. Absolutely. Because, you know, they talk about law of attraction or, you know, hermetic principles or all these different uh, truth speakers over the ages have spoke about the law of magnetism and the energy that we vibrate at is like a, it's a radio station dial. It helps us to dial in our receiver to the world in which we want to and sometimes it's not we want to into the world in which we are going to see and so as we shift our mentality and our perspective it shifts that dial it shifts the frequency that we live in and I mean literally everyone can be I mean you can have 50 people all throughout the, the world and they can each one of them can be living in an absolute different world it's the same earth, still the same planet, plain T, right? <laughs> but here we are. We're all living in a different world. You know, you're down in Oregon. I'm in Washington. We're very close, but it's, you know, there's different all universes. sorts of different factors, all sorts of different factors from where I'm living to where you're living to how your family's functioning, how my family's functioning. Uh, the things that you get to see on a daily day, day-to-day basis, the things that we get to see on a day-to-day basis, the herbs you're able to wildcraft, the herbs that we're able to wildcraft, you know? And Right. But that's getting back to creating your own reality, though. What you're talking about is you're creating your own reality that way. We are, though. We are. Absolutely. Because that is how we're vibrating. Right. So if you, you know, like if you have certain lessons that are upon you, then you're going to be vibrating at a certain level. And therefore the reality around you is going to match that to give you certain lessons. And sometimes those lessons are, you know, harsher lessons. And sometimes they're beautiful lessons like learning to give or, you know, learning to receive or um, giving, you know, just uh, showing unconditional love. And that's actually a lot of people go, Oh, unconditional love, you know, and when my biggest opportunities for unconditional love are some of the hardest moments in my life, right? So um, 
that's what true unconditional love is. It's not just like, you know, poo-pooing anybody off just because they hurt you. It's really about like moving into a place of understanding and yeah, just, it's a, it's a frequency. You think about unconditional love and you think about uh, how you don't necessarily have to agree with people's behavior to love them, right? You want to be in that love frequency. Really part of personal evolution is syncing up with that greater frequency of love and making that your everyday, making that like your whole being. But it's really hard when you see people, maybe not like in your family or in your community or your direct life, but just out in the world, other humans doing these really atrocious things. I mean, you could just go down Mm -hmm. the list. But somehow all the great spiritual teachers throughout history, doesn't matter where they show up, all the great spiritual teachers will tell you you have to love those people. Yeah. Right? So you have you're you're trying to grapple with that as a person. You're yeah. like, okay, how am I supposed mm-hmm. to love these people that commit just like the most horrible atrocities you can possibly imagine? But yeah. the truth is, you you don't agree with what they do. You know that somewhere in their life, at the very beginning of their life, they were just like this little baby, this little raw yeah. consciousness. And, and that little baby you would have held and be like, oh, my God, this is the cutest thing ever, you know, and yep. loved that baby because everybody loves babies. I mean, some people don't. I do. I, I think kids are great. But so, you know, like uh, but then somehow in their life, they ended up being a person committing atrocities. So you have to send that mm-hmm. love, that understanding to that original being. And then whatever happened in their lives that led them to that terrible place committing those atrocities, you don't resonate with that but you can still maintain yeah. the love frequency. Exactly. That's like, that's the biggest way that if I can't find any other step to finding compassion for somebody and non-judgment, it, I go right to them being a baby. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, everyone was a baby once and, you know, somewhere in between they had a paradigm impression upon them and they were hurt or they were uh, confused or tricked into thinking that their reality is um, concrete and the way that it, it is being perceived. And so if you can you know, tap into that, you can find unconditional love for anyone and anything. And then you also realize, you know, everyone's on their own journey and we all have these lessons to learn. And, you know, then you start to also look at the judgment part. And, you know, it says um, in many, many books of wisdom it talks about judgment when you judge someone else you will be judged and it breaks down to that i think in like the bible it says judge not lest ye be judged or something you know and um there's all of these books of wisdom throughout our world and throughout time that speak about releasing judgment of other people of their situations, their actions, and of ourselves and our own situations and our own actions because they are lessons. And in that, when we step into non-judgment, we step into a reality where we don't have to uh, experience those things that we judged firsthand so that we can gain compassion. So it's all about like gaining that compassion and you can do it without experiencing it yourself. And sometimes that's why these people are in our life or these experiences that are, you know, being in front of us that we initially get triggered to judge is that, you know, it's, 
it's the judgment isn't that it's there for us to move through and to to shift into a place of non-judgment and then we get to you know really embrace that journey that people are on and gain the insight without having to do it and go through it ourselves but if we become judgmental people in like everything that we do then it it becomes a um a opportunity for that pattern to like continue in our own life. Right. So we can um, release those, those patterns of, of um, judgment that come up because they, you know, it helps us to rewrite that within the template of humanity's judgment. Right. So like every time a judgment comes up, we can go, Oh, that doesn't resonate with my highest self. I'm going to shift that thought. Well, I think that that, uh, that could be a survival instinct that you're thinking like millions of years, this concept of judgment and how we perceive things in a way that we decide that some things are good or bad or safe or terrible in our own lives. Yeah. I think that maybe it just, it's cellular. I think that it, it roots to back to the original trying to survive. Is this animal going to kill me? Is this animal not going to kill me? Like, so somehow judgment is rooted in fear, if you think about that, right? It is. So, it's, it's in that duality. Yeah, so it's just trapped in this fear vibration. So you, the judgment itself is coming from fear, fear of yeah. getting attacked by a saber-toothed tiger or fear yeah. somebody might be, you know, trying to uh, uh, insult you or God only knows what people think. But, like, you know, it's uh, it's just not that way. It's just not that yeah. way. And if we can get above that, that's another way that we're evolving and building a new paradigm, which is like what we're still talking about. You know, we've had this incredible stream of consciousness conversation and we've touched on so many incredible things. But if you realize like all the stuff we're talking about is we're talking about a new mode of living as humans, because the new paradigm that, that you wrote about in your book is a paradigm that includes every single human no one's excluded yeah that's the thing right? very inclusive so it's all inclusive it's everybody the whole shaman yeah. right so then how do we how do we build these bridges is it communication like how do we drop the judgment of things of the past and maybe things that we were programmed like how do we get past all that to build these bridges of unity to get get to that well, new paradigm you know, that's a really good question. And I think there's so many answers to that because each individual is going to have their own path and journey of how they're going to apply that in our, in their own life. But it, for me, it really, I mean, it boils down to observing nature and observing, um, you know, different wisdom keepers messages and seeing those links and putting together the pieces of the puzzle that we all hold. So when I was younger and I first, you know, my name is Harmony. So I always, you know, things that are connected to Harmony, I'm, I'm interested in naturally. So uh, the yin yang, one of the, the meanings of the yin yang is Harmony. And so I was very fascinated with the yin yang. At first it was very superficial just because my name, right? And then it became, wow, the yin yang is very uh, very, very powerful tool of understanding. And so it is on the superficial level, it's that balance of light and dark, realizing that there's a, a swimming of lightness and darkness 
And that is duality. But within that, there is the light that is within the darkness. And then there's the darkness within the light. And then within that, you realize that it's all within one circle and it's all the same. And it's swirling and changing. And there's this analogy that speaks about a mountain. And this is one of the things that really awoken me to um, this question that you spoke of. So um, the mountain analogy. So the yin yang is like a mountain in the daytime. You have the whole mountain is lit up at high noon, right? And during the night, the whole mountain is dark. But during the morning, you have one side, the east side lit up. And during the sunset, during the evening, that same side is dark. But now the side that was dark is now light. And when you realize that we're all just the mountain, <laughs> then duality sheds away. And I think it's, you know, that, that shift of consciousness, it really is like that experiential shift that you have to have through experience. No one can tell you exactly what that means unless you really visualize it and understand it. It doesn't mean anything but words. And, you know, it's, it's being like taking something that you've experienced and making it applicable to your own journey. So that would be, I think, how it will unfold. Well, you know, to add to what you're saying with the yin yang, this is something I've put a lot of thought into because when we talk about, like we talked about earlier, humans and at their lowest, they commit these really awful atrocities and at their highest, they're doing these incredible things, you know, and we're talking about the yin yang and we're talking about the balance of light and dark. And, and I've thought about this quite a bit and I've, it really bothered me that these atrocities, these terrible things that are going on in the world have to exist. Like it doesn't seem like they should in this dimension. And the realization I had is that part of humanity's evolution, and I really want you to tell me your thoughts on this, that part of our evolution is like, it's kind of like a, like a piano. I don't know if you play music at all, but in a piano, mm -hmm. okay, you have a C scale, like a C major scale, right? You're thinking C, D, E, F, G, A, B, C, right? And at the bottom, you have low C, and at the top, you have high C, right? So that's like the yin and the yang. You're like low C, high C, low C, high C. Well, if we kick it up an octave, if in human development, we do so much more collectively, and as we move into a new paradigm, we kick it up an octave, we go mm. higher, and then what we defined once as high C, we now define as low C. And high C is like way up here. And then we do it again and again. And every time we raise it up an octave, we're existing essentially in a different dimension. We're, we're going up as humans into a, a different new experience. What do you think about that? Yes, yes, and more yes. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've had such similar thoughts. And, you know, that is such a good way to describe what's going on through that ascension process, because it's literally the ascension of notes, right? right. And that scale of seven, which repeats itself. And we see that pattern all throughout nature. You see it, you know, in, like you said, the musical notes, 
You see it in like the, the original planetary structure. You see it in our chakra system, the seven major chakras. And within that, they speak about the um, new shift of, uh, of chakral energies and the ultra red, ultra orange, ultra yellow, ultra green, ultra blue, ultra um, indigo, ultraviolet, right? And these new spectrums that the human uh, energy systems are actually resonating at when they're being uh, video. Uh, videography um i can't remember the like carnelian carnelian photography oh carnelian 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 yeah there's like carnelian photography applications that they're using to study uh chakras and aura uh energy signatures yeah i've actually got some of those um, pictures before they're pretty amazing yeah me too and there's actually a whole new spectrum that a lot of people are seeing and ultra red was actually um, my chakra at the time came across as ultra red. And I was like, whoa, that's kind of weird because I didn't know about this uh, additional uh, spectrum. And they're like, wow, that's really amazing because like you're the next uh, octave beyond violet. And I was thinking, you know, at first I was like, oh, red, you know, like when my like really primal or like really in survival mode right now, like what, you know, I was thinking I would be like, in violet mode because you know i'm very very uh, resonant with indigo and violet energy and they said that um, their explanation was it was um the next octave up which is very cool that you said that and so that's the ultra red ultra magenta energy coming through with a lot of the um you know star-seeded individuals or you know However you want to, whatever you want to call them, but well, just the new consciousness is coming through in a new octave. Well, so, it's yes. interesting you bring that yeah. up because we had an incredible guest. Her name was Searsha Claire. She is the Starseed coach. She coaches people about Starseed consciousness and has helped Ooh. people understand that. And she's a really amazing lady. And yeah, I think the Starseed reality is pretty prevalent right now. You and I was talking with some friends about that. I'm going to have some guests from uh, the Grateful Dead podcast called No Simple Road. It's a Grateful Dead podcast. We talked about that before is that what I see in in the conscious community, I see in the psychedelic community, people that go to these shows are tons of star scenes, people that are activated in that way where they don't feel like they're from this planet. Personally, I I 100% resonate with the starseed consciousness. Like I definitely have never felt at home on earth. It's always been a place where I felt uh, just like I was observing, like I was here just kind of taking notes. So I never really felt like, even though I do love earth and I love humans and I enjoy the experience and you know, cats are great. Uh, <laughs> and all the animals we love everything on earth is amazing but it just i don't you mean feel like, yeah <laughs> exactly um, but the thing is, is that you know we're we're uh here to help humanity evolve that's the thing like we're, we're because even though people are on this yeah. planet and they're on other planets or in other dimensions we're all just one big family it's still just one yeah. one thing Right. We talked about mm-hmm. united humanity. We talked about races earlier and how the differences are keeping us apart, even though we respect them, they're still keeping us apart. Well, it works microcosmically and macrocosmically. So probably out from a planetary, galactic, intergalactic sense, 
our identification with the planets or our solar system is somehow keeping us from being universal. You know, we, we just don't know how that shows up, but it just seems like that could be possible. It's just really, we're just this one creation, right? It's all just one. Creation. Yeah. Well, life. it's like, as we move through our consciousness, it's like a catalyst for other consciousness to expand as well. And it's like the earth, you know, is, 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 scientifically shifting the Schumann resonance is off the charts and it you know has constantly been raising for you know as long as they have been uh, been able to document it and um, there's there's just so much amazing potential that is happening right now that you can like you can see it it's tangible yeah it's uh humans we have so much to give. We have so much because of our creative ability, our ability to tap into this universal force that allows us to manifest things in this dimension using our environment or maybe even in the future, just literally creating things out of thin air, out of like energy into matter. We don't even know what's coming, right? But we that's the human yeah. gift is our ability. And maybe that makes us kind of unique compared to our other family members out in the universe. You know, these different alien species, maybe they have incredible gifts, but are somewhat different than our gifts. We just don't know yet, but it's coming. I mean, you, I'm sure you've noticed the uptick in uh, UFO talk in the mainstream news. And oh, all, yeah. All the aliens. Are, what do you think about that? That's pretty wild, huh? Oh, yeah. I mean, I think it was just inevitable because so many people realize and there's, you can't hide it anymore. There's so many people with uh, videos, cameras, and, um, you know, there's, there's many levels of that. There is, of course, the real star nations, and those have been, you know, spoke about, you know, since the, the dawning of time, and you know, in many different cultures all around the world. And you have uh, other levels of this where, you know, it's our own craft being mistaken and or uh, purposefully being utilized to deceive, and. Um, there's so many levels to that. I think that it's really important to tap into our own intuition. And I think it's really important to cultivate discernment when it comes to any of these new discoveries. So, you know, like what resonates with you, what resonates with the reality that you want to create, that you are creating at this moment, because that's, if you're going to resonate with something and really vibrate with it, then it's going to become your reality. So, you know, um, personally, I think that we need to be aware that there may be deception, but I also know that there is a, um, many, many races of beings, many humanoid beyond this earth plane and, they're, we're all interrelated, we're all connected, and there are many different reasons upon which they would want to contact us. And we're starting to shed the fear, and the, the benevolent ones can't contact us until we have shed certain layers of fear because they don't want to hurt our subconscious. You know, like if you're in too much fear, you'll pass out or you'll have fight or flight, right? So or they don't PTSD. want to trigger that. Yeah. Yeah. They don't want to trigger that. The, the benevolent ones, the ones that are here to help, the ones that are connecting to us on energetic levels. And some people are shed enough fear levels and are 
are their paradigms are open enough that they are having these, you know, channeling experiences, contact e experiences that are very benevolent. However, you know, there is the other spectrum as well that um, we need to be aware of. We need to not lock ourselves to like that is, you know, the ultimate, but we need to know that that is a possibility um, in case there is deception because um, it, we've seen enough patterns of that. <laughs> well, I mean, that is part of where we're going as humans in the new world. Like you were saying, the new paradigm is including these extraterrestrial and extradimensional yeah. beings in our daily lives. It's just going to be normal. We're just yeah. not there yet. I mean, the, the internet, AI, like all of these things have been birthed in our lifetime. I know we're a similar age um, in our lifetime, but what's coming for our kids and our grandkids, I mean, they're going to have extraterrestrial mm -hmm. life and extra dimensional life be a normal everyday thing. Like, oh, that's, yeah. it's, it's as normal as, as, you know, going to the store and getting some sort of mm -hmm. drink, you know, it's, it's well, really and the thing interesting. Is, is some may be already here and so humanoid, we don't even know. That's what I think too. And then, then there's others that, you know, are star seated and are, uh, their souls are not from here and then they are here already. And then you also have some that aren't very humanoid looking. And there's that whole story. I don't know if you've heard of, you know, the story behind why the Zeta Reticuli are here, the graves. But um, the story I've heard that most resonates with me, of course, I've heard many different stories. Okay. But the one that most resonates with me that gave me the truth bump was that they lost touch with their ability to procreate naturally. And they lost touch with their ability to tap into unconditional love. Bummer. And they were, they were us in another timeline. Okay. And they allowed themselves, we allowed ourselves to tap too far into the AI. And something happened to where we were um, unable to procreate naturally. And they are here to warn us not to become what they have become. You know, it, seem, it. it seems that way. I mean, they don't. And yeah, I was like, Woo. they yeah. seem very robotic. <laughs> they seem very like uh, androgynous, just without any passion. When you, when you hear people's accounts, you see these characterizations over time right. of these beings. But uh, it, it could be that. It would also it explain us. a lot of the fertility experiments that are, are um, reported. Yes, the harvesting of uh, semen and, and then in some cases ladies carrying babies mm -hmm. to term and then having them abducted. There's so many stories yep. about that. So there could be some biological deficiency that they're trying to correct in some way. Yeah. These other beings, it's, wow, there's, it just goes on and on. But what we do know is that the world that we're going into, this next world is going to be something far more. Than it is right now. Yeah, absolutely. Because that timeline already occurred and it can't occur the same because it's already been shifted by them coming back. So um, it's all about what timeline we want to resonate and go to because there's the infinite potentials right now at this point. That's you know, which one hearing. are we going to resonate? 
I keep hearing and, that uh, if, as long yeah. as you keep your frequency in a really high place, you're going to vibrate towards the better, higher timeline. Of course, if you're in an awful lower frequency place, you're going to vibrate towards that really awful timeline. So you just heaven and to, hell right there. Yeah. <laughs> heaven and hell. You just want to make sure the it, scientific explanation. <laughs> yeah. You just want to keep it, keep it high. But on that note, I just want to say harmony. Thank you so much for being here. It's been an incredible, oh, yeah. amazing conversation. You've really given a lot to the audience. I really appreciate it. I want to tell people where they can go to find you. I mean, first, of course, you want to go to Amazon. You want to get the book birthing a new <laughs> paradigm It's an incredible book. You should check that out. And if you want to see more of her in real life, well on YouTube, you can go to YouTube. It's the Wildcraft wellness channel. And she has a show called tea time with harmony where she interviews people. I'm going to be on that show. Eventually. I love tea. I want to yeah. have tea with harmony. I'm we're going to have an incredible episode soon sometime soon so look for that but just go check out her channel and check out some yeah, of her we're gonna be talking sure. all about crystals yeah we're gonna be talking about crystals or whatever you know whatever happens to happen you know it seems like we're very yeah. uh, similar frequency people and we're both on a journey of ascension <laughs> so, mm -hmm. okay hold on mm -hmm. harmony through the outro music and everyone we'll see you next week midnight on earth